right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, how's everything going? I am Derek Johnson. I am with my good pal, Nick Springer. Joining us today on KLWN. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Dude, if you're going to do this the whole show, (laughs) I will... I don't. I don't know. I'll just. I'll just turn your mic off. Actually, I have that power. You do have that power. <laughs> that power. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, on today's show, hopefully that doesn't happen. Nope, it's not gonna happen. We're gonna be joined by David Lesky of Inside the Crown coming up in about thirty-five minutes from right now. The Royals actually won a game. Now they lost the rest of them, but that's okay. One win in a week. The Royals are. You know, that'll be a lot of wins by the end of the year if you true keep one, that pace. One right? win one a week. week? That's only fifty-two wins though. <laughs> Right? It's only 52, week, two, 52 weeks in a year. Well, in a full year, but they're not playing every week. Um, okay, well, that's even worse then. Yeah. No, it's not great. Not great. Uh, Case of Monday is coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. U.S. Open happened over the weekend. We've got another edition of What's Nagging Nick. West Virginia news with Bob Huggins retiring or, I don't know, resigning. Uh, whatever. Yeah, I don't think. Resigning, fired, retired. I don't know. Resigning. Maybe all three. Um, yeah. Uh, stupid scale as well coming up later in the show. Uh, right off the bat, though, Nick was was gone on Friday, and uh, it was, yeah. how was your how was your trip? How was your vacation, dude? It was good. I went down to uh, San Antonio, San Antonio, San Antonio. Do people call it uh, call it that there? Yeah, they do actually. I oh, think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, remember that time that I was like, I said something, and I was like, oh, do people in, from California say Cali? Mm-hmm. And you were like, no, that's stupid. No, people, no, I, I don't actually care. Like, I'm one of the, I, I actually oh, call it Cali care. all the time. But yeah, no. there are a lot of people from California. If you call it Cali, they'll get like mad. Yeah. So the only bad thing about the trip was I happened to decide to go down there on like the weekend that it was going to be literally the hottest. Isn't of, that like, every all time. weekend though? No, but this was like even worse. It was like 110. Mm, as um, opposed to like 108. Yeah. As opposed to like 105, it was 110. Which, listen, that's a big difference. Is it? So, I got sunburned pretty badly on my shoulders. Dude, what is such BS, though, is I was reapplying, okay? I had, I had literally, I was at the pool enjoying, you know, some time. I had a timer set every, like, 40 minutes, every 45 minutes, reapply some sunscreen. And I still got burned. Wow. That just means that I'm extremely pasty white, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Anyways, it was a good trip. It was fun. And, uh, okay, the only other bone I have to pick, though, is Dallas, the Dallas airport, Sticks. Mm. It is the worst airport of all time. Every time I've ever had to go through Dallas or fly to Dallas, the or whatever, tram. it's no, I get delayed. Oh. I've never, I have never ever gotten to Dallas or left Dallas at the time that my flight said I was going to. It's just ridiculous. Every time, mm-hmm. I'm I'm boycotting the Dallas airport. Okay, boycotting it. I will I will actively try to go somewhere else if I need to connect. Somewhere. Why don't you just fly into San Antonio? There's no direct. Wow. There's no direct. I, I got a direct back, actually, which was nice. But I had to connect on the way down There's there. There's no direct, except for the one that you took. 
Yeah, yeah, from San Antonio to Kansas City. There was no direct back, okay. or there was no direct there from Kansas City to San Antonio. Okay. Well, I have a personal announcement, and uh, I, I don't want to get, like, super into this because this is also kind of just like, I don't know, it's my family stuff. Sure, but um, sure. uh, I will say, because, you know, you might be wondering, um, it, once we get later into the year, or I guess technically next year, uh, my wife is officially pregnant, so uh, I'm really excited about that, and uh, we're really excited about, you know, starting up our family and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so... You know, the due date is in early January, which means that if you're wondering why there could be a few weeks in there where I might not be there and it's just Nick himself, r- remind yourself of this right here. And that would be why. Dude, that's very so, exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, and, and you're welcome for planning to have a baby during when there's actually stuff happening. That is I could have been a real jerk. No, that's a good point. Actually. Had the baby like now. And then yes. imagine that you, you would Dude, be screwed yes. for two weeks. That would have been actually pretty rough, mm-hmm. honestly. So that's that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank very, you. Very, very exciting. Uh, also kind of fitting that yesterday was Father's Day. And now yeah. you yourself, you're going to be one next year. Yeah, that's true. So that's awesome. Yeah, that is true. I guess another day to celebrate me. That's what we yes, need more every of. Every day sure. is about you. <laughs> I mean, you might as well just name the show the show with Derek. Okay. I'm the fine Derek, with that. Derek you good show. with that? All right. The Derek Show. <laughs> the Derek <laughs> It'll be the show. most narcissistic show available. <laughs> uh, big weekend for KU football. Stop me if you've heard that one before couple more commitments stop me if you heard that before is Lance Leipold does he need to go to rehab for being addicted to getting commitments dude this guy is like just an animal mm. it doesn't make any sense he's just going nuts like what I don't mean I I think I I think I mentioned this on on last week last week earlier in the week about how like what is happening with KU it's not normal like even for like the Alabamas and the Texases and the big schools of the world they don't just get 20 commits in the span of like two weeks that just doesn't happen no so well, this is like very very unusual, but well, the, in like a very awesome, cool, sweet, kick-ass way. <laughs> the two newest commits. It is uh, Kine Akine. I don't or Anine. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. it could be just like Keen Anine. Either way, it's a cool name. That's for sure. He is a three-star offensive lineman from the state of Minnesota. Um, and then you also added a four-star safety in Damani Maxson from Houston, Texas. Uh, now, in regards to both these guys, uh, one for Anine, it's interesting you bring in your second offensive lineman commit for the class of 2024. You look at the scouting reports on both guys. They're both guys who are, are known as being like smart, high IQ football players, which I think that plays into what KU is looking for. Uh, also, Anine, he could basically be a basketball player. He's 6'5 massive. with like a, it was like a seven foot wingspan. Yes, he is literally massive. Be like Bonzi Colson. Um, from Notre Dame. And then uh, in the case of Maxson, he is your second highest rated recruit. He becomes your third top 500 recruit in the class, 424 in the 24-7 composite. He's a hard-hitting, fast, athletic safety. And, I mean, this this DB class is unbelievable for yes, KU. Yes. Yeah, I mean, when you start to go down the list, you start to see what KU is looking to establish here with this class. There's three position groups that stand out here significantly. DBs, secondary, all three of your top three commits. Two of them are corners, one's them to safety. Then the next position group is your skill position, running back, quarterback. Your next three commits in terms of rankings, two running backs and a quarterback, including Isaiah Marshall, who you we think mm-hmm. could be a guy that could be somebody who's the future of the program. And then you touched on it, also interior offensive line. You know, your second interior, interior offensive line commit. The one thing that KU, I think, is missing from this class is – some pass rush, some edge rush. Deshaun Warner is going to be visiting this weekend, I believe. And he is teammates with Andre Gibson and Jonathan Kamara. 
at uh, Desert Edge in Arizona. So that's a name to keep an eye on as well for a possible commitment. I think he's down. I think he's narrowed down his list to his top four, and he's coming to KU this weekend, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's maybe the one area where you still feel like you're missing something if you're KU from this class. Is like, I mean, think about it. You got your quarterback. You've got two your, running backs. You've, you've strengthened your running back room. You don't have any receivers, but you brought in three last year, and yes. you have a bunch of. I, I think you only have one guy who, like, will exhaust eligibility this year. And we had this discussion about. The secondary for KU coming into this season. Kenny Logan's going to be gone. O.J. Burroughs is a junior. Kobe Bryant and Melo Dotson are both now upperclassmen too, Mm -hmm. right? So you are approaching this situation where you're going to need it. And look what KU has done. Mm -hmm. They've gone out and they've filled in with some excellent, some really high-level recruits. You've got a couple linebackers. You've got a couple offensive linemen now. You've got a uh, tight end in there when you added one this past year. Yeah, the the one position that you're kind of missing is just that defensive line. And like you said, there are options for them to add to that here. And I, I think overall... You know, we've kind of talked about that as a as a full high school class. KU's probably going to only take based on you know what they've done the past couple of years. Uh, last year they took fourteen, and one of them even ended up gray shirting to really thirteen for for twenty twenty three. And they already have twelve right now, right? Yeah, they do, which tells yeah. you that let's say maybe this year they they go a little more. Maybe this year they go to sixteen or seventeen, right? But even still, but even still, that leaves you with a limited number of spots to even have open, which is a good thing. For a couple reasons. One, if you get most of or all of your recruiting out of the way now, it basically allows you during the season to just have to focus on re-recruiting the guys that you currently have committed to make sure they, you know, exactly, to retain retain them. Allows you to focus more on them. It also allows you to, you know, let's say you only do have two, three spots available at this point. It allows you to be more choosy. It allows you to be a little bit more picky to where yeah. you can you can specifically go for the guys you want. You don't have to get desperate and be like, all right, we're taking our you know fifth option Which, here. Listen, from the fan, from the KU fan perspective, that was the common theme of KU in the past was the doors are open, literally anyone, whoever, please. Yeah, they were selling playing time to true freshmen. <laughs> That's something yes. you don't have as much of a worry right please, now. Please, come play for KU. Now it's, hold on, do you have the skill? Do you right. have the quality right. to play? For the University of Kansas. A little more vetting process now. You know, it's like it's going to a bar that has cover now. You gotta pay cover. You gotta get in, right? Yeah, that's tough though. From 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 my perspective, that's tough. (laughs) Well it's tough too, especially nowadays where it's like nobody ever has cash on them anymore. And there's always the one friend who has to pay for everyone. Yes. Right? Because they're like, Oh, I happen to have a twenty dollar bill. Yes. Like I got I got you. I got a couple of us. Exactly. Why why do they not, you know, set up like one of those they have those like portable little pay pads that you know restaurants have now where it's basically the screen you put in your oh, card yeah. and then you, yeah why do they not have those at the door anyway no that would make more sense probably it would um so know. yeah I mean, are Kate you anti-cash i'm not anti-cash i i think i might have told this story uh before i can't remember but i went to uh raising canes this was several months ago i don't okay. remember if i told this on air or not okay and it was like a week after i was in las vegas and yet so you had cash and i had cash on me right because you're gonna have cash going to vegas gambling all that stuff yeah Yeah. so i paid in cash and the guy when i pulled out cash was so like astounded the the guy who was taking the car or or the cat the the payments was so astounded that i had cash and he's like where did you even get this (laughs) (laughs) well they still print money um (laughs) that is all-time zoomer i know they're like I know. What is what is cash? He was like, I haven't been paid with cash in in days. And Dude, actually, just, okay, on know. the trip I went on this past weekend, mm-hmm. I used cash because cash keeps you on a budget. That is true. So I so I took out I took out however much I wanted to spend for the trip the day before I left. Yep. And then once I ran out, I ran out. Perfect. 
Yeah. Stay on a budget. So, no, I'm not anti-cash at all. I just tend not to have it as much because yeah, typically yeah. you pay with... And that's the other thing. Like, there's there's so many, like, uh, credit cards now that have, like, all these amazing deals where I'll get, you know, 2% get cash back or get points on your airline miles or whatever, where yeah. it's like, well, wait, I don't get any any free stuff. Even if it's so minuscule like that, I don't get anything free for paying with cash. I'll just yeah, pay but, with card, right? Yeah, but it's it's that material feeling of, ah, I'm giving... Yeah, I'm sure. Like actually... You know, yeah, I no, know. There, there's something fun about paying with cash, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, but, but now that was Econ 101. Yes, with, uh, it was. Nick and Derek. You know what else is money? KU's recruiting class in 2024. It is uh, excellent, excellent. It is and ranked just, 33rd in the country right now in the 24 7 composite. That's very impressive. That's Obviously, good. That, uh, is, that is good. Things could change, players could decommit, Kansas could add more players and move up. Who knows? Uh, other teams, other schools, players are going to commit to other schools and they could jump KU. But right now it's pacing to be one of the the greatest in terms of the quality of player per commitment. Uh, one of the greatest you know classes you've had over the last 15 years since this stuff's really been tracked. And, and what's crazy too, even with those two commits, again, I mean, uh, Damani Mason becomes your number two recruit yeah, in the class. Exactly. He's he a very big commit. Second best recruit in the class. Yes. Uh, but even then, there were even other big visitors that were over the weekend too that We'll see if it leads to even more commits, like kind of what happened the previous weekend with the previous big uh, amounts of visitors and stuff. And yeah, I does think that, does that impress you too? Also, the fact that it seems like for KU, guys are going on visits to other places, but after they visit KU, KU seems to have done a really nice job of getting the commit after they visit. Yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, the guy that everybody is keeping their their biggest eyes on, I think, right now is Nick Marsh, who is a receiver. He. Uh, Penn State, Michigan State are kind of seen as the as the two favorites in that recruitment. But he's a big receiver, six foot three. He's from Michigan. We know KU's been able to establish those pipelines there. Um, he's a top two hundred recruit on twenty four seven. He is uh, ranked one hundred and second overall on the twenty four seven sports composite. And he just had a visit with KU. There's a picture of him and Andy Kolnicki kind of driving yeah, around. Dude, that was sick. I love <laughs> that in a convertible. Dude, Andy Kolnicki is just like, I mean, this that dude's just vibing. All the time, he just it's just his vibes are off the chart. What do you think they were talking about in the convertible? It's hmm. a good question. You think Andy Kolnicki had like a good like thoughtful question for him that made him? He might like he does he, sometimes with yeah, us in the no, pressers. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like not only that, Andy he he can expound on the virtues of a lot of different things. <laughs> so if you just give him one thing, he can go for a while, right? So it's true. It could have been anything. You know? Who yeah, knows? that's that's a good trait to have for recruiting, probably. Oh yeah, because you can just. You can just chop it up about anything, mm -hmm. you know. So I don't know, or maybe, maybe he, you know, maybe he already had drawn up some plays, and he was like, "Hey, this could be you." You think he was asking him about his thoughts on Christmas lights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Nick Marsh, when do you take your Christmas lights down? Yeah. That will determine whether or not you get to yeah. play for me. Seriously. But yeah, I mean, this kid is—he would be the highest-rated recruit ever to pick KU if he did. That's pretty so. We'll sweet. see. Yeah, you know, I don't know. If they're gonna merge past the Michigan State or Penn State and stuff like that, but but still, just just the idea of the, you know, the fact that yeah, the fact that you are definitely in the mix with mm -hmm. you know two schools that are historically have been top twenty five or even better schools basically every year, right? Uh, I mean that's and Penn State was close to the playoff a couple times, like, and you're right there, you're neck and neck, so that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you continue, I mean, you have all this momentum in recruiting overall, but especially in that Michigan area, so maybe that helps give you an even better shot. I will say, going back to the idea of, like, they're, they maybe already are, are getting close to, to filling up, do you think that'd be a good thing? Like, 
Should you intentionally as a staff leave a spot or two open in case there is like a late riser somewhere in high school that you find or an in-state yeah. kid that blows up or something? Or do you think it is even better, like if they can, fill up on, on what they planned to give out in the high school class to just fill up and then be like, okay, we're done? Yeah, I mean, you know, it is interesting because it's definitely, it happens pretty regularly where you might have a guy who is a little bit under-recruited and goes into a senior year of high school and has a great year or whatever, right? Or, you know, like you said, blows up. And then if you don't have any openings for him or if you already recruited three or four other guys at his position or whatever, then it's like, okay, whatever, right? So it's tough. And I would, I mean, I would think that Kansas is probably wary of that to a certain degree, and they maybe are saying, okay, hey, maybe you know, maybe there's a couple guys that they have their eyes on that they haven't offered or that they haven't seriously pushed for because they want to see maybe if they do kind of blossom a little bit more. Because I always go back to that conversation we had with Kevin Flaherty, and this was a, this was a while back when he was talking to us about uh, about recruiting, and he said that there are a lot of times when you have guys that are maybe late bloomers, there will be schools that will basically wait to offer him until somebody else does. Because they don't want to be like the first ones in, basically, mm-hmm. and then you know, then a guy blows up. So like, a guy will have zero power five offers, and he gets one power five offer, and then after a week, yeah. he has like twenty. Yeah, it's almost like um, so. It's like if you've ever played in a fantasy league with fantasy football, baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter. And you have like somebody sends you a trade offer, and it's like an interesting trade offer, and you're like, man, maybe that, maybe I should do it. But you and you ask s- a friend. You don't want to seem too interested. Yes, or well, no, I was, I, I, yeah, but also like you ask a friend, you're like, you know, I think this might help me, but I don't know. I want to get some more groupthink. I want to get some more uh, opinion from somebody I trust in the league. Like, and then you'll text a friend and be like, do you think I should do this trade? And then if they're like, yeah, definitely do that trade, and you're like, okay, I was leaning that way too, and now you get an extra opinion on it. It just makes you feel better, you know. Yeah. Whether it works yeah. or not. Yeah, so I don't know. I would think that you would want to leave at least a scholarship or two open. But again, I mean, at the same time, you can't really predict any of that stuff. No. Right? You know, I mean, or what if, what if there is, you know, you so let's, for example, with KU, let's say there is a running back in that's maybe in the area or like a, a corner in the area that just has an insane senior season. Well, if you're KU, you've already got two running back commits and two cornerback commits. So if, if there's a running back in the Kansas area that just goes nuts and you're like, wow, this guy would be great for KU, you've already got two guys in. Right. So it, it depends on the position, right? It depends on the position. Yeah, it does. I, I guess technically there's not a real limit if you think about it this way. Like, I'm sure KU is approaching it from a standpoint of – What, just this is, the best guys? Well, like this is how many – yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Like, if, if you have a kid who's ranked as the number 200th player in the country and he would be one of your biggest gets ever in recruiting, and he's like, hey, I want to come there, and you're like, well, shoot, we were only planning on bringing in this many high school guys and we've already hit our limit, you're not going to be like, no. Like, you're going to figure it out. You know what I mean? So that is, that's part of it. But I think the other piece of it is that they might have a general idea of being like, yeah, we want to bring in 15 high school recruits or 16 high, or whatever it is. And then we're going to, our other eight or nine scholarships, 10 scholarships are going to go to the transfer portal. But going back to the idea, if a kid is good enough and he wants to play there, I, there's no reason that you couldn't just be like, well, we'll just go to 17 guys in this high school class. <laughs> and then we'll just only take on eight transfer portal guys instead of 10, right? Like you can get at least a flexible with it enough yeah. that maybe you could fill up to the number that you ideally would like to be at while still being open and available to take one or two. Well, to me, it's it's a little similar to the conversations we had with the KU basketball situation, which is 
I think in recruiting, regardless of what the situation is, you have to be proactive. You have to be aggressive and you have to be, you know, pushing the envelope forward. You can't be reactive to, well, you know, we're going to wait and see or, you know, we're going to see what happens, right? Like, I think you, you have to go in with the mindset of, we need to be aggressive. We need to be proactive. These are the guys. These are these are our targets. This is what we're going to do. And then on the fly is when you just kind of, oh, well, this guy blew up. Oh, well, all of a sudden, you know, we, this, this something else happened or whatever. Then that And you have to adjust to that. But you can't – I don't think you can just sit back on your heels, which obviously KU football is not doing that. They've already gotten so many guys in the summer, which is great to see. And I, I love that, really, because I think that's the right way to approach recruiting. You have to be aggressive. You have to be proactive. And you know what? If a guy is a late bloomer and you would have liked him, but it just didn't work out because you already filled up, you just have to live with that. Yep. You yeah, you're not going to be able to bring in every kid, right? Yeah. Uh, that's part of it. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to be joined by David Lesky in about 15 minutes. Talk a little Royals baseball. This is RCST. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN with David Lesky coming up here from Inside the Crown. I'm with Derek who? Johnson with Nick Springer. Who? David Lesky, our wonderful Monday guest who always joins us here despite the fact that uh, the Royals continue to not play well. But they won a game last week, David, so that is a, uh, a positive. And, uh, you know, I was looking at the Pythagorean win-loss for this team because I was I – was, Looking again at the standings, I was like, wow, the A's just passed them, but they have like a 100-run differential, like worse than the Royals. Um, so I was like, obviously the Royals still aren't good, but are they a little unlucky? Yeah, it has them at 24 wins. Funny enough, though, even if they went up five wins, yes, that would be five more wins. It'd still be the second-worst record in the majors, uh, but it'd obviously be better, be more in line with other bad teams like the Nationals and the Rockies and stuff. Um, do you think that, like, does, does what the A's are doing right now, does that give you at least a little hope that there is some at least decent baseball like or some sort of decent stretch upcoming? Yeah, I mean, the A's are, they, they finished their decent stretch. So they're, <laughs> they're back to being the A's. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I wrote this a while ago, but this team, and as soon as I wrote it, they, they had a stretch of a week where they looked like the worst team I've ever seen. Um, but what's interesting about this team is they, they're they in games. They continue to be in games. They lost, they, there, there was a stretch, and I don't remember when it ended now, but it was from April 23rd or 7th or something like that through early June where they did not lose a game by more than four runs, which <laughs> sounds like the, the dumbest stat in the world, and it is, but the way that like, baseball reference describes a blowout is five-plus runs. They did not lose a blowout for more than a month. Bad teams, like the really bad teams, they get blown out, and the Royals were not getting blown out, which is just kind of bizarre. I think their run differential in May was either minus five or minus six, and they were 10 and 17. So like there there are some some indicators that hey the team is better than it looks. Um, better than it looks does not mean good. Like you said, they'd still be the second worst team in baseball. But I don't know. I I, I still feel like there's there's a non amazing but fun to watch fourteen and nine stretch or something that you're like oh okay they can win a handful of games. Now I say that fully understanding that a 14-9 stretch 
14 is like 75% of their total wins <laughs> the season right now. So it's hard to count on that, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like they're, they're getting a little healthier in a lot of ways, although they've lost past Santino now for the year. So how healthy can they be um, without probably their best or second best hitter? I don't know, but the, the, the pitching is getting healthier. Um, and I don't know if it's a good thing with, with some of the guys coming back, but um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I continue to struggle with this team because you see talented players on the field, not playing well. Well, so are they not good or are they in a down stretch or are they going to turn it around or is this where they are forever? Who knows? Um, and that, that's what makes it so hard to evaluate them sometimes. Well, Saturday's game was uh, the KU night, and that was a fun comeback for KU so, or uh, for for the Royals. So, I guess what I'm saying is um, they need to make every night the KU night, and and you know give away KU Royals jerseys, all that stuff. Well, it was Saturday. Was that comeback? Was that the most fun stretch of Royals baseball of the season? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Which is unfortunate. <laughs> Um, and that come back in San Francisco in that first road trip of the year, they were down five to one. So that was fun. Um, they, you know, this team has had some comebacks. They just haven't finished them. Like I think about that one against Baltimore in early May, they were down, I think it was eight to one or eight to two, very similar, maybe nine to two. I can't remember. Um, and they came all the way back and took the lead. And then Rose Chapman had that brutal inning. Um, they they were down to the Nationals really big a few couple weeks ago, and got back to within one. So, and they this is this is not un, that unusual for this team to make a big comeback, um, but they don't finish it very often. So yeah, that was that was really fun. And then and then when you add in Samad Taylor and, and the story and and all that, it, it became I don't know. It became one of those moments that you go, okay, the season has been horrendous. But at least we have that. <laughs> you mentioned Vinny Pasquantino out for the season. How do you think this affects his long-term progression? Do you think there are any sort of um, repercussions of the shoulder injury and the surgery that could make it tough for him to bounce back right away? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, and I don't know the answer to it. Um, they apparently, I've learned this over the last week or so. Um, apparently, they have changed the way they do this surgery to the point that it's no longer will he come back, but he will come back. Um, I, I found one, there are probably other examples. Um, I kind of stopped looking when I found one that was worked for the, for the positive argument. Uh, but Josh Young for the Rangers, who um, probably a rookie of the year favorite, mm-hmm. I would say this year, he prior to the 2022 season, I think it was, it was right at the very start of spring training, maybe even before spring, had the surgery um, on his left arm, which is his non-throwing shoulder, but also his lead arm batting, which is the same as Pasquitino's right arm for him. And he's come back this year and been outstanding. Um, So I think that if you're looking for anecdotal evidence of one player, I found it, and it's good. (laughs) I think that, um, you know, I don't know if that's something that can continue. I don't know if that's something that, that can be extrapolated on other people, but that's the positive side. The negative side is this is the shoulder surgeries are tough. It's just inherently tough. Um, And it being his lead arm batting is, is one of those things that you you are a little bit concerned about. 
I think if you're the Royals, you probably assume he'll be back and be fine and be back to Vinny Pasquantino come spring training. It's about a six-month recovery. Um, I don't know when he's going to have the surgery. I, I don't think he's had it yet, but even if he waits a month, he's the recovery is over in mid-January. So no issue for spring training, no issue for opening day, all that stuff, assuming everything goes right, of course. Um, I do think if you're the Royals, you say, look, hey, you just got hurt. You're having surgery. We'd love to sign you long-term. Um, but there's a little risk now, so what do you want to do? And maybe see if there's a deal there. Maybe see if that seven years and $70 million becomes seven years and $60 million. Maybe save a few bucks. And then knowing that, hey, we've, we've ripped up a contract before, so don't, don't feel like this is the contract you're going to have to play under for seven years. They've done it before with Salvi. Um, but I do wonder if that's an option for them. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I guess uh, a negative name that I was thinking of, and this guy has had other injuries too, and that's part of it, uh, but Cody Bellinger. Remember he had that, that shoulder injury? Yeah. I don't know if he got surgery or not, though. I don't remember if he had the surgery. I don't remember if it was a torn labrum is the only thing. And that surgery specifically is the one that for, I think it was Will Carroll. Um, there was a lot going on in my mentions one day. And <laughs> Will Carroll was in there um, talking about how they've changed the way they do that surgery. And um, in, in such a way that it makes it more, the, the comeback is, is more likely. So, I don't, that's the thing. I just don't know that there's a lot of data behind it. Um, but I do know that, remember, Josh Young came back, and that's the only name I looked at. So, therefore, that's the only, <laughs> only answer I have. But, no, I, I think, the, again, shoulder injuries are hard, man. It's, it's one of those things that I, 50 guys can come back from it, but, I, you know, until, until the next guy does, you, you have to worry that they won't, too. Well, that's the, the kind of long-term part of it. What about short-term? What do the Royals do now for the rest of this year? Yeah, short-term is actually pretty easy for them because they've got Nick Prado. So throw him at first base, which is his natural position, and you're good to go. Um, I, I don't think it's – this is a really weird way to put this, but in an optimistic way, you know that Vinny Pasquantino is good. And so in an evaluation year – it's not the worst thing in the world if you have to find out if other people are good without Pasquantino taking a spot in the lineup. From a wins and losses standpoint, it is the worst thing, 100%, because he's better than anybody else. But um, it gives them an opportunity because Prado was playing a lot of left field. It allowed them to bring up Dyron Blanco, Samad Taylor, um, you know, some of these guys who you want to find out about this season. So I think there, there is a semi-positive way to look at it um, from a future standpoint, uh, again, assuming Pasquantino comes back okay, but I think that's what they do. Prado's going to play first. Um, they brought Matt Beatty up. I don't think that's a long-term solution, but um, he's up for now, and that's just a, that's what they're going to do. And I, I think it, it'll generally on the field be fine. Um, and maybe this, maybe you say, okay, we feel good about Vinny's progression. Prado had a really nice run. And we're going to trade him for a number three starter, and and that and that actually ended up being the best thing because it gave it gave him a, a, other teams a chance to see him at first base for hundred games. So I, I think that that's possible. Um, but for now, he's Prado's at first, and, and that's that. Well, the Royals are certainly going to be looking to make some trades, probably with their selling and whatnot. I guess 
when you look at some of the top names, a guy like Wallace Chapman, maybe even somebody like Scott Barlow, I guess for those guys, like how much longer do you think they'll still be on this roster? What do you think the trading uh, timeline looks like for Kansas City right now? So I think Chapman goes as soon as they find an offer they like because he is a free agent at the end of the season. You acquire him, you acquire him to this year and this year only. So it, at this point in the season, there is not a day that it would surprise me if he gets moved. Um, we could, you could tell me right now that just comes down that Chapman got traded, and I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so he's, he could go at any time. Scott Barlow, uh, Taylor Clark, those are the two probably other big trade pieces, at least in the bullpen. They're a little bit different just because you're not acquiring them for this season only. You're getting Barlow for another year, Clark for two more years of team control. So um, I think those guys probably go a little bit closer to the deadline. That said, if some team says, hey, we want Scott Barlow and Taylor Clark or Scott Barlow and Aroldis Chapman, and we're willing to give this, this, and this, it wouldn't surprise me if they're moved today either. I just think that they probably go a little bit longer just because they're not you're not necessarily maximizing the number of days you have that guy. Um, Amir Garrett's another pending free agent. He's got to get healthy, though, before he can be traded. I, they're probably going to trade somebody you don't expect. They always do. Um, you know, Last year it was the Emmanuel Rivera for Luke Weaver deal. I don't know what it'll be this year, but they also have some young players they might trade. I, I would not be surprised if they move MJ Melendez. I, I think I'd be surprised if they move him at the deadline. Um, but he's not a long-term piece for the Royals. I, I think they've made that pretty clear without making it clear. So maybe he goes. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who else they could move. But I. I think it's probably going to get started sooner than later. Um, last year they traded Carlos Santana around this time. I think it was. I want to say like the twenty-third of June. I might be off a couple of days by that. But um, they. They. J.J. Piccolo last year at least didn't shy away from being early. I don't think he will this year. Well, you mentioned them possibly trading somebody you wouldn't expect. Salvador Perez is a guy that's been floated a little bit. I mean, is that something you'd expect, or is that something you have you would be more surprised by? I don't think he moves. Um, they've, you know, the words they've said are the words they've said, and until until you hear otherwise, you have to believe those in some way. But also, the value is not what what it. What it maybe seems like to a, uh, just the general public because he's a 33-year-old catcher making $20 million a year. It's a lot of money. And so teams don't want to take that on. Their metrics show that catchers don't age well. Maybe Salvi breaks that trend. Maybe he doesn't. I, so far, he hasn't. So far, he has broken the trend. So you know, maybe, maybe that changes things a little bit. But I just don't think teams want to take on that money. Generally, the, the big thing is teams don't like trading for catchers in season either because it's really difficult to learn your staff. So there, there's a lot going against a Salvi trade right now. And then if the Royals say, hey, we'll eat, we'll eat the money, <laughs> that is not the best look pub- publicly with the fan base. Um, I think the people who follow the team closely go, okay, well, whatever he brings back is I'll judge the trade on that. But there are a lot of casual fans who hear, we traded Salvador Perez in eight forty million dollars or thirty whatever it is. That's that's a bad look, especially after you made a big deal of making him the captain this year. I just I just don't see it happening. I think that 
I, I'm not saying it won't happen in the future. I don't see it happening this year. Well, we got to see the, uh, I guess, de- well, not entire debut of, of Dyrone Blanco, who uh, came up for, for a brief stint in 2022. But uh, I guess the 2023 debuts of Blanco and Samad Taylor uh, just this past week. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on what both of them did, and, and which of those do you think you like better for the team long term? So um, they both were impressive. Blanco showed showed the speed, obviously. Um good defender and he's a better hitter than he gets credit for he knows the strike zone i think he's probably a fourth outfielder in long term um maybe more maybe a third outfielder but i just don't i don't know i don't don't see a ton of upside there he's 30 now he's baseball young but he's 30 so that's something to keep in mind samad taylor actually kind of a similar player um more versatile like he's a second base tonight he's played left field uh, the first couple games in the big leagues, um, he can run. We saw he'll take a pitch. He doesn't strike out a ton. Um, he hasn't struck out in nine plate appearances as a big leaguer, so that's, that's something. Um, got a little thump in his bat. <laughs> that walk-off went 401 feet. Um, yeah, so I, I think that he's probably the better long-term fit. Ultimately, you know, it's funny. He got traded for Whit Merrifield, but he might be kind of what the Royals thought Whit Merrifield was until they realized he was the starter. So, I think that he, I think he has a fit on a championship team. Um, will, will he be on a championship team in Kansas City? That's another story. But <laughs> I think that he's the type of guy who you can, you win with Samad Taylor on your roster. You, he can't be your best player. <laughs> he can't be your third best player, but you win with him on your roster. I think he's the better bet moving forward. Who is the player of the week? Uh, not a lot of options again, but Bobby Witt Jr. He hit three hundred four, four hundred seven, four seventy eight. He had a fourteen point eight percent walk rate. Hello, it's three in one game. Oh well, um, one forty eight weighted runs created plus. He's he's the obvious answer. Um, if these if if the award meant anything, I'd give it to Samad Taylor though, just because that was so much fun. But he only had nine plate appearances. So Bobby Witt Jr. is the guy. Um, special mention Austin Cox. Five hitless innings this week. He should get a start. I don't know if he will, but he needs to. He is David Lusky. You can check out all his work inside the crown. Subscribe to his Substack. David, appreciate the time as always, and uh, just continuing to watch Royals baseball. That, that is uh, good service. Once hey. again, once again, David is the player of the week for watching <laughs> the Royals. I, I want to yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll accept that award at the, at the end of the season banquet. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect. We'll be looking forward to that. David, appreciate the time as always, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, that's David Lesky, Inside the Crown, with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays, uh, sponsored by the Kansas City Royals, <laughs> coming up at uh, 4 o'clock here to f- start off next hour. We'll also get into the U.S. Open, what's nagging Nick, a little West Virginia news and the stupid scale. All that to come here on RCST after this timeout on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. you freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am I supposed to calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. 
Welcome in to the 4 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And it's that time for Case of the Mondays. Now, you you mentioned last week, do you feel uh, worse or better when you come back after a vacation? I said to me it depends on what type of vacation it was. You just came back from a vacation. Do you feel better or worse today? Uh, Okay. I... I got really sunburned. I think I mentioned at the top of the show. I got really sunburned when I was on my vacation, which kind of made so your skin is having good. a case of the my Mondays. My skin is having a case of the Mondays, but overall, I'm actually feeling refreshed. Okay, to be honest. So brain, which this, no. Yeah, which we had this discussion. Either you feel refreshed or you're dreading the yes. Monday coming back. Yes, I feel pretty fine. Honestly, I feel pretty fine. Okay. I got. I the, the only bad thing about it was I didn't get home because I had to fly out of Kansas City. So I didn't get home from my flight back until like 4 p.m. yesterday. So I didn't really get a lot of time to like kind of decompress. You know what I mean? But I feel I feel pretty good. It was it was a good it was a rejuvenating vacation. That's a little trick that I I still have never like come around to doing this just because I don't know I just don't taking the Monday off. But yeah, that like um, some of my parents' friends do this all the time. That they. They will just take the, like, let's say they get back on a Sunday, they take Monday off, yeah. right? Like, yeah. the, the same situation where it's just like, you yeah. know, sometimes need that day. You, you got to do chores, you got to do laundry, you have all your vacation clothes, stuff like that. Just, yeah. You know, maybe take no, the day. Fair. But no, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was fine. I, you know, I went to, I went to bed early, mm. got a good night's rest in my own bed, which is always great. That's probably the best part. Honestly, that's probably one of the best parts about a vacation is when you come back that first <laughs> night that you're back in your own bed. That's really nice. Okay. Maybe maybe we'll do a top 10 list on that tomorrow. Best okay. and worst things about coming back from a vacation. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Case of the Mondays for this week, we're going to start right here. The original GPA scale is having a Case of the Mondays. Also, Dude, when, I, when you showed me this or when I saw this, I didn't believe it. Yeah. Also, uh, I guess Case of the Mondays for people who needed four years to graduate, let alone three years, or I, I guess, right? Um, because four-star quarterback Austin Simmons... Has first of all, he's flipped his commitment from Florida to Ole Miss. Like whatever on that, I don't care. Uh, the twenty, he was a class of twenty twenty five QB though, oh. who is reclassifying to the summer or, or to the class of twenty twenty three and plans to enroll this summer. So oh. that mean he is graduating in two years of high school. That's insane. And then wait, get this. He had a 5.34 GPA and finished his high school classes as a freshman. Wait. What? Okay, How so a couple even, things here. First of all, listen, I understand that I am not the greatest at math, okay? But the highest you can get is four. How do you get 5.34? Right. What is this GPA scale? I, I don't know. Well, I well do technically, know, you can get up to five at I, high, certain high schools. Yeah, I do know that with, like, AP classes, yeah. if you get an A, you get, like, an extra five. whatever, yeah. however much. Yeah, so so in AP or honors classes, like, it goes up to a See, five. I never got an A in AP classes. A B class goes to a I'm four. Dumb. Right. So I never did it. But, but I how do you AP get to class. 5.34? I don't know. I don't understand. Does that make sense? I don't understand. Are they maybe giving... Also, is this just... Uh, this might be need to be on lie detector test. I need to maybe. see this guy's transcripts. I mean, you, 5.3... Is that just his... Is what that if this high school that? does a different scale? Yeah, what if it's 5.34 out, out of 100? Eight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, this is not that <laughs> impressive. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I don't at all. I don't uh, understand how he finishes high school classes. Right, as a that's the other thing because that implies that you have to take so many class. How did you have time? I, in I the don't day? know. I don't you know? know. I honestly have no idea how. That's this is weird. The only thing that makes sense because you hear some of these stories about these kids who basically they you know we've I mean, talked about you before can, they go to college can, at nine years old, right? Yeah, I mean you can test out of certain. You think that's what classes. it was? I don't know. Maybe like if he like his freshman year he just took a test and and 
was good enough that they just passed him all of his class? I don't know. I'm not really sure. That would be very impressive. Does regardless. this make you more or less confident that he'll be a good college quarterback? It makes me less confident. Why? Because he's he, did, he doesn't have that experience, the high school experience. See, I, this is this is what I have a bone to pick with with crap like this. Is I think that to a certain extent, kids need to experience four years of high school because those are formative years of you as a person. And I think that's important for you to experience that. You know, being awkward at junior prom, not, not knowing where to put your hands with your date. Just, you know, <laughs> weird stuff. You know, high school stuff. High school things that you, that you people need to... I, I, I personally think that kids need to experience that kind of stuff because I think it helps you, in your, like I said, in your formative years. So I, I'm not really a huge fan of being like, oh, you're a great football player, so we're going to completely ignore everything else that, in life. And you're just going to go straight to playing football. Mm-hmm. I don't really love that. No, I agree. I agree. Also, you know, there's something to the idea of in football, especially like be as mature like, as possible with your yeah, body. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're going to be taking you're, hits. Exactly. You're going to be you're a 16 year old or 17 year old, and you're just going to be getting crushed. Yes. By he is SEC 17 level guys. So I guess technically, age wise, like he is closer to being but, a junior saying, than a senior still. But I, we say that, but wasn't Jalen Daniels 17 when he got to KU too? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess no. it does add up a little bit. Uh, by the way, here's how he got the five three four GPA. Which, well, I still don't understand the scale. <laughs> a port, uh, according uh, to this report from Yahoo Sports, he was homeschooled though. Oh. So that would be how he finished all his high school requirements. They just did the homeschooling thing, and they they checked off everything, and they did online courses and stuff. He actually has already accrued fifteen college credits too. See, um, that's just. So that's why he got a 5.34 GPA. He's homeschooled. His mom could just be like, oh, you got a 7 GPA. Congratulations, <laughs> right? Um, but how about this? He uh, he broke the school uh, passing record previously held by NFL wide receiver Anquan Bolden, who played quarterback in high school. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. Oh, that is cool. But yeah. Uh, Maybe he is. I mean, obviously, he's a four-star recruit. Sure. Going to an SEC school. He's obviously a talented player. Sure. Okay, uh, the billions of transfers who wound up at West Virginia. We'll talk about this more later on in the show, and we'll go through the transfer additions because maybe it creates an opportunity for possible players that the KU could get their 11th man from. But, I mean, uh, if you missed this over the weekend, yeah. um, I mean, kind honestly, Bob Huggins yeah. could just be on here on Yeah, Bob own, Huggins. Right? Um, so he got pulled over for a DUI. He was driving around in Pittsburgh. Um, as part of the police, he thought he was in like Columbus, Ohio. I yeah. Think so said. like, what happened was he had like a flat tire, and so the cops like came to help him. And when they were helping him with the flat tire, they realized, wait a second, this dude is like smells like beer. He's not stuttering. Really, He's, all here. Yeah. And they found a bunch of empty beer cans like all over the car. Yeah. yeah. In the car, like underneath uh, certain mats, and they got like everything. And uh, he ended up. Struggling with the uh, the sobriety tests, as yeah. you would imagine, he blew a zero point two one. Yes, which it is tough to get. I think that's because nearly triple the legal limit. Right, it's double. And, it's well over double. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like like I'm I'm I, clearly I'm I'm not saying it's okay to drink and drive and everything, but there are certain times when people will get a DWI for be blowing like a point oh six. But they were like swerving in the lane and a cop can still use like judgment at that point um, or w- that somebody will blow exactly a point oh eight and like they just barely got there. But they technically might have been OK to drive again. Don't even risk it. Just yeah, I mean, get an Uber. There's so many ways the, to get around. Yeah, exactly. It. The big thing is right. here, it's 2023, man. There are exactly. so many different ways of transport of getting transportation that even if you only had at this point, honestly, if, if it's me, 
even if I, even if you only have one drink, mm-hmm. it's all it's like you know it's yeah, almost not so even don't worth risk it. it. So, but I I guess what I'm saying is that if if it was like he blew a 0.08, I'd be like, yeah, that's not good. You shouldn't do that. But also, like, it would be a little more understanding to me to be like, no, this uh, was, I get, I, like sometimes that happens to people that, that you would never over. expect to get a DUI. This was he blew a 0.21 out of out of curiosity. They have like BAC calculators that you can do online. I don't know how accurate they are, but like it, it might give you a general idea. If you give a, I, I don't know how much Bob Huggins weighs. I, I put in 250 pounds. I don't know. It might be light. It might, whatever. It's probably a little heavier than that. Probably, but a 250 pound man, on average, if they drink 12 beers, 5% beers, so basically domestic level beers, in two hours, that's a lot of beers in two hours, would have a BAC around 0.18. Yeah. So like you can't do that if you're Bob Huggins, that's very bad. You're endangering other people, you're endangering yourself. And obviously it's something where it's like, uh, he's had a DUI in the past, like clearly there was just the thing that happened with the radio interview. like. At this point, it's kind of turned from Bob Huggins is an idiot to we just hope that Bob Huggins like exactly. gets help that's, that he yeah, needs. That's what I that's what I was gonna bring up is is at this point it's like hopefully he just kind of recovers from this and you know isn't wasn't in any serious danger to himself basically or anything like that because right because like I, I don't know that just doesn't this doesn't add up you know and this no. is a guy who's pretty much really beloved I think in the coaching from a coaching standpoint right I mean him and Bill Self even are pretty close yeah you know so hopefully I think it just it, it kind of becomes a, a situation where you're glad that this happened in the sense that he wasn't he didn't harm anybody or himself and hopefully maybe this will be a situation where he can get a chance to, to get better because clearly something is off for sure uh, so the aftermath he ended up resigning and whether you want to say that was basically West Virginia trying to give him the opportunity to have a graceful firing or whatever at the end of the day he is no longer yeah the I mean West I think it definitely coach. pretty much became unrealistic for for sure. him to stay yeah uh, case of the Mondays for any non LSU College World Series fans uh, because they are getting destroyed in the <laughs> jello shot challenge so every year at the College World Series, they have what's the name of the bar? It's Rock Rocco's, right? Rocco's, uh, I think is the name of the bar. Rocco's Rock, Bar. Rock something, yeah. I'm pretty sure. They have the Jello Shot Challenge, which is all the yes, Rocco's, yeah, Pizza Rocco's. and Cantina. Yeah, so all the different teams at the College World Series, they have a they have a whiteboard, and you take Jello shots for whatever team you're supporting or whatever. And LSU fans have taken. Uh, what is it? Twelve thousand over twelve thousand as of yesterday, or as of like earlier today? Yeah. So the last 12, post they put was shots. three hours ago, and to that point, they have had twelve thousand eight hundred and thirty-six Jello shots. <laughs> which, if it sounds like a lot, it is. the The record for the most Jello shots total that they have sold over the course of an entire College World Series was last year when they sold over thirty-one thousand. That was total between every school. This year, coming into the morning, they were already at 27,000, with LSU almost having half of that. So LSU, yeah, and, and we mentioned it, the College World Series runs through Sunday. So yeah. they still have five, or basically six more days. Yeah, and I think they're 2-0, and so they're guaranteed at least two more games. They're going to be yeah. there for a while. Uh, out of out of comparison right now, uh, second place is, let's see, Oral Roberts. No, wait, it's TCU. Just kidding. Nope, just kidding. Again, uh, Wake Forest. <laughs> Wake Dude, Forest is in second place. the Mondays for Derek reading numbers. <laughs> What are we? What are we doing? Wake Forest uh, with over five thousand. So LSU is more than doubling them up. Then you get yeah, TCU. But this, has, but this has really become over the past it couple has. years like sort of a, a cult thing, where like you know it's it's part of the experience mm-hmm. of when you go to the College World Series. Well, I just realized. So uh, we Stanford is like 
They just got eliminated. Yeah, they just, got they eliminated. just lost. Yeah. They are. Uh, they have only had 692. That is seventh place. Yeah. So you I know did who's see last? There's a strong Virginia. Cor- yeah, I did see. There is a strong correlation between how well your team performs in jello shots and how well your team performs mm. on the field. Maybe that has something to do with the fans, how rowdy they are, or just yep. maybe having more in attendance and that helps you out. Yep. Maybe there's something more there. I don't know. I It'll don't be know. very interesting to see, especially if LSU wins it all. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are having a case of the Mondays. They've been uh, just bad this year, low-key. Like, they, they had a playoff team last year, had a bunch of good veterans. You got a couple, I don't know, players coming up like Jordan Walker. Like, they should be better, but they're bad and they keep losing. And then this happened. Uh, David Freeze, if you would remember, who had the clutch hits in the World Series to help the Cardinals win it all in 2011 in Game 6. He kept them alive. Um, ended up being a very clutch postseason hitter for them. Had a solid career with them, though wasn't like, you know, a mainstay or anything and, and ended up having a journeyman career after the handful of years in, in L.A. with, I don't know, some other teams, Angels, Dodgers, and, and some others. Um, as part of a fan vote, he was voted to have his like name retired in the, the Ring of Honor or whatever they call it there for St. Louis. Yeah. And uh, he was obviously World Series MVP. He was the NLCS MVP. Um, but he declined it. He he basically said that he was Yeah, he said he didn't he basically said he didn't yeah. feel worthy of it. Yes, because he's a St. Louis uh, kid, he grew up in the area and he saw all the other names on the you yeah, know walls. He was like, like deserve to be I'm up not, there. Yeah, I'm not to that level. Which you know, like you said, he, which I do he, appreciate. Kind of have just an average yes. career outside of. <laughs> but like, if you're St. Louis, I don't know, man. You voted yeah. him in. He's a hero to you. Obviously, the fans voted him in. Like, there is the merit there. He he literally was World Series MVP. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that qualifies you. I would think right? so. I mean, so. again, you you do not win the World Series without him. His clutch hitting. So yeah. I think he, he it'd be fine going up there, but yeah, man, that you never see that happen. That that's uh, pretty crazy. Um, Hoopers are having a case of the Mondays. Luke Lou Williams retired. I saw that. That started to make me feel old because all throughout my life, Lou Williams has been like one of the best six men. Yeah. And now he's gone. Well, he's just well, he's not he's, gone. But he's one of those players that's like you don't like. He's, he's not obviously somebody that you talk about a lot or no, a lot, but he's just there. Yeah, he's it, always just, there. You start up an NBA season and you're like, who's who's Lou Williams on? You don't know, and then you just watch a random game yep. and Lou Williams scored and, 20 and points off the bench. Just, he just spawned like, in. Oh, there he is. Yep, he just spawned in. Yeah. There he is. Yeah, there he is. One of the all-time uh, just scores off the bench. Uh, skip to my Lou was, I think, the nickname there. Uh, Canada is having a case of the Mondays. They're dealing with all the wildfire smoke. We, we talked uh, about a week ago that they lost, like, it was like 130 to yep, 40. They had the largest, the, uh, yeah, largest margin of L. In, in, what was in, it, uh, like U16. FIBA history? Yeah, yeah U, U16, yeah. FIBA, whatever. Um, then yesterday, they lost to U.S. in the, I think, I don't know, CONCACAF, whatever. Champions League, I believe. Yeah, uh, final. Hey, what's stupid is CONCACAF has like three different They states. do. They have like the they have Gold, like the Gold Cup. Cup. Then there's Champions League, which I'm pretty sure that's what U.S. won. Yes. And then I think they have something else. Yeah. Like, and then there's we, also like the Confederations what, Cup. Yeah, what, what are we doing? What, what's know. going on with it's that? It's very confusing. Uh, the U.S., though, dominant their last two performances. Uh, the U.S. won 2 nothing. They have this uh, Balogun guy who uh, is a young player from yep. Arsenal who was the second-place team in the Premier League, and uh, he scored in his yep. like first game with the U.S. So yep. uh, One of the best strikers I think the yeah. U.S. maybe has ever had, yeah. actually, So from, I mean, what I've, from what I've heard. Watch out for U.S. soccer, I guess. But also, yeah, bad for Canada there. And then, um, whenever that ended last week or, or whatever, uh, Vegas obviously won the Stanley Cup, and they weren't playing against a... Um, uh, Canada team, but it basically cemented it that they had to go another year without winning the Stanley Cup, their home sport, the sport that they yeah, love the only and, and sport they care about. Yes. I mean, it's your sport, Canada. Win. Like, do you ever see the United States ever lose in the NFL? <laughs> no, you don't. 
You never see a non US team no. win lose uh-huh. the NFL. That's our sport. Well, they they haven't won a Stanley Cup since nineteen ninety three, which that is a long time for yeah. a country that has a I mean, bun- I don't think either one of us were even alive. No, 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 not at all. And yeah. uh I, I mean they're they're what? We, we were talking earlier, they're so there's seven. Thir- yeah, so there's thirty I think there's thirty one teams in the NHL right now. With I think thirty two with the Kraken. Yeah, yeah, thirty two. Yeah. And there are seven Canadian teams, yeah. I believe. Yeah. So you have Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Edmonton, uh Vancouver, and there's one more, I think. I missed mm. one. Calgary. Yeah, there you go. Calgary. So yeah. I think I think that's the seven. So I think there's seven I mean, uh, Canadian teams. I don't yeah. think I'm missing. So, I mean, that's that, you know that's a third of the league. So you would think over the span of 30, 30 years, years they would a win. Well, at and least especially one. too because some of those, like in the case of like Toronto and yeah, Toronto and hadn't even won a playoff series yeah. until this year. Yeah, it's like two thousand. Well, in the case of some of those, it's not just like like okay, maybe when I, I don't know, Winnipeg might be like small market or something. But a couple of those are like to their country, they're like the New York Yankees, like they're oh, big yeah. market teams where you yeah. should expect to contend. Edmonton has Connor McDavid, who's mm-hmm. one of the best players. They have two of the Toronto. five best with yeah, Drysdale. Yeah, and t- Toronto has Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they have, they're lacking for talent. They just they just stink at their own sport. The U.S. <laughs> is just better. I don't know what else to say. Meanwhile, you have the Vegas Golden Knights who started six years ago and they won it before <laughs> a Canadian team did. That is uh, absolutely incredible. That sucks, Canada. Imagine in 1993 after the Canadian team wins and be like, all right. We're going to give you, you can make a bet, Will it, which team will win first? A Canadian, any of the Canadian teams, or Vegas, who's going to join the league in 2016. You'd be like, <laughs> oh, we have 23 years, and then they're going to be a new team? Of course I'll take Canadian team. It's like, no, not so fast. Uh, last up, case of the Mondays for anybody who ever expects something different from Antonio Brown. The Albany Empire, which is a... A National Arena League team owned by Antonio Brown was kicked out of the league for Brown failing to pay either a required fee or a fine he received after recent public comments. And Antonio Brown before has been noted as, you know, just being kind of a loon in a lot of regards, whether it's him walking off the stadium or some of the stories you hear about some of the stuff that's gone on. There was that one story from a while ago where he, like, refused to pay the chef that he brought in for all those pro bowlers and refused to pay the artist who, you know, made that the painting of him. Now he's refusing to pay here. Um, so yeah. is this a real thing? Can other owners of any league? But that's what's interesting here. Like, if an owner doesn't comply, they can just vote to kick him out? Well, that's what's kick interesting. Like. It's that they. It's not just that they kick the owner out, because at any point, out. like like they, the NFL owners uh, could vote to kick Dan Snyder out, right? Or maybe they yeah. already did. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but what you what you I haven't seen me able to do is not just kick the owner out, the team. kicking the team out. Like that's, now maybe it's that's different because this because it's a smaller league where it's I, like yeah, I don't know. It's it's harder to be okay, like but somebody else want to buy this. Now here's here's the deal. How many teams does the National Arena whatever the hell league even have? I mean, if they kick one team out, they're going to only have who knows how many teams. Yeah, that's a problem. They have six teams. <laughs> and, well, wow, get this. The Albany Empire won the title most recently. What? Which was their second title, which is more than any other team. Wow. So, so wait a second. Collusion? <laughs> Hello? Of course they want to kick them out. They're the best team. Oh, my god, Dude, that'd be like if the NFL kicked out the Patriots after they won their 18th Super Bowl. Wow. That is That's actually genius, but there should be an investigation. Yes, agreed. This seems That's a little genius, fishy. but investigate <laughs> investigate them. All right, he is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our case of the Mondays. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. 
TST. We've got a stupid scale coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. One of the things we'll talk about is this Bradley Beal trade with the Suns. I love this. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was requested by Washington in the Beal trade, but the Suns declined to include him. So they're just like, can we have DeAndre Ayton? They're like, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no no yeah, more like negotiating. All right. Yeah, okay. Just don't worry. ask. Yeah, you know, thanks. Wouldn't do my due dude, diligence like, without asking. Dude, that's like, okay. <laughs> you like It's like, uh, you know, you go to a coffee shop or whatever, you go somewhere and you're like, Hey, can I get my coffee or whatever? Can I get it this way? And the person's like, no, you can get it this way. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no worries. Thanks. I'll just take it however. Yeah. Hey, can I get that burger with no onions? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, hey, oh, no, that's fine. No worries. I don't want to upset anybody. I'll, that's fine. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. I went, to, uh, that reminded, I went to a coffee shop in Portland a few months ago, and I asked for an espresso, and they were like, what is that? That, that from a coffee shop? From a coffee. You work at a coffee I gotta shop. I got to be honest. I don't know what an espresso is. Okay, but you I don't mean, work at a coffee shop. I mean, shop. I know it's coffee or whatever. But you don't I work think. at a coffee shop. That would be like me coming up to you. You obviously work in radio. And uh, me being like, what type, of, what type of headset? What type of microphone do you use? You'd be like, what's a microphone? You know? That'd be bad. Right? You better know your well, thing in the industry. My, hey, it's the thing that I talk into, right? <laughs> yes. You okay. nailed it. Okay. Woo! Uh, Man. So, wow. That was stressful. We have another edition of the- uh, So clearly what's nagging you is that- Mm. Coffee shop people don't know what especially. Yeah, that, that did nag me at the time, <laughs> big time. Uh, you know what else would be nagging me? Jordan Lyles pitching today, if I were a Royals fan. That's tough. Royals are 0-14 in the game he's, games he Dude, uh, that's started. that's so bad. First of all, that's like just, like, think about how statistically difficult that is to do. Mm-hmm. Because you're a pitcher, okay? You don't even pitch the whole game most of the time. In fact, you basically never do. So how is it that the team still loses? How does it even make sense? Explain that to me. Huh? I can't. I can't. Um, All right. Yeah. But what anyway, enough is, about what's nagging me. What is nagging what, Nick? Okay. First of all, what's nagging me, number one, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is nagging me. This happened over the, this this happened over the, or I guess the Bengals in general. This happened about over the weekend, Thursday, Friday, in the weekend. Jamar Chase. Somebody, first of all, well, there's actually levels to what's nagging me. Number one, why do people keep asking the Bengals about the Chiefs? <laughs> That's number one. Okay? That's nagging me. So listen, if I were a Bengals fan or player, which, listen, thank God I'm not, because that would really suck. That would be a terrible. But anyways, hypothetically, if I was a Bengals player or fan, I would be so sick and tired of media asking me about the Chiefs. Okay? That's just, and why? Yeah, why so are the, we doing this? This whole thing started with a question. It was to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was asked yeah, about and somebody who the best asked quarterback, who the best the quarterback in the NFL was, and he said, Patrick Mahomes. Fine. Sure. Okay. So then How they, much Chiefs fans were like, oh, nice job, Joe Burrow. Woo, yeah, go. I don't, listen, me personally, I don't care. So you're I also, don't care. You're also annoyed by Chiefs fans who uh, think this matters. Who like Joe Burrow. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Well, okay, okay. so th- there's a lot, there's so much to unpack here. Okay, here's the deal. I actually don't like Joe Burrow the most because everyone else likes him. <laughs> See, you're like somebody. Don't like you're him. like you're like a hipster who likes a band, and then when all these other people like the band, you're no, like, no, no, oh, no. but I liked them before the they opposite. were cool. No, now I don't like no, them anymore. No, it's like the, it, that doesn't work because the example is like, it's like I I am I am like uh with uh oh, like on the name of the band. What's the name of that band that everyone uh, says they don't like, but everyone secretly does like? Nickelback? Yes! Okay. okay. Um, Nickelback is the good example. Okay. Everyone says they like Joe Burrow, but or everyone everyone doesn't like the Bengals. 
but they secretly like Joe Burrow. <laughs> I and because of that, I don't like him. Okay. Okay. okay so, anyways, we're getting sidetracked. So, so then Jamar Chase gets asked about his comments. So then, for whatever reason, who knows why? It's the off season, I guess. It happens again. Somebody says again or brings up what Joe Burrow said. I don't even know what the question was. To be quite honest, again, I don't care. Okay. And Jamar Chase says, Pat, who? <laughs> hey, Jamar, there's only one Patrick, as far as I can think of, that's even relevant. What if he was being honest? What if he thought they were talking about like the Patrick Star? Like pa- what yeah, other Patrick, Patrick Star? Is there? No. Um, but Patrick is not even that common of a name. If his name was like Bob, was and there was 100 Bobs name. in the NFL, and he said Bob who? I'd be like, okay, sure, fine. That's reasonable. Okay. But obviously, Jamar Chase is doing this just to be dumb and stupid and annoying. Okay? So then, what happens? The Chiefs happen to get the Chiefs. First of all, Jamar Chase, poor poor planning on his part. Understanding that the Chiefs are going to be getting the Super Bowl rings literally the next day. Okay? So just a terrible time to attack a guy who's about to get a Super Bowl ring. Oh, his second, by the way, in four years. How many do you have? Oh, you have zero. Wow. I'm shocked. I wonder why you have zero. Because he won't stop talking about the Chiefs. So anyways, Patrick Mahomes gets his Super Bowl ring. Again, poor timing on Jamar Chase's part to make this comment. And Patrick Mahomes, shockingly, unsurprisingly, absolutely dunks on him with a tweet and a picture that says, that's who. Okay? So Jamar Chase. So here's the issue that I have. Let's think about this for a second. If you're the Bengals... Why do you continue to take shots at the Chiefs? Why? What have you done? No, you so- beat them in the AFC title game one time, yeah. but you didn't even win the Super Bowl. So guess what? No one cares. Okay? In 20 years, no one is going to give a damn that you beat the Chiefs once in the AFC Championship game because you didn't win the Super Bowl afterwards. So it doesn't mean anything. Okay? Here's the second part that nags me. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones, three of the top players in the league. You know what else those three guys are really, really, really good at? Trash-talking their opponents. You got three dudes that could potentially be Hall of Famers on the field, and guess what? They're Hall of Famers off the field, too, and trash-talking, okay? So why do you just keep keep giving them more ammunition to absolutely dunk on your face? Why? Why do you do this? I should almost think this should be a good thing, then, because it could make the Chiefs play better. But, like, I don't understand why it's... To, no, I don't care anymore. It's annoying. Like, I'd ra- I would rather the Bengals just be like, oh, the Chiefs are a great team, whatever, and just be on with their time. That's what I'd rather happen. Mm-hmm. No, so I don't you, understand. You also had Tyler Boyd, like, coming out and just kind of taking an yeah, orange. But, yeah. uh, but, again, I don't understand why you would do that. Because when have the Chiefs missed an opportunity to absolutely counterpunch what the Bengals say? They haven't. You know why? Because they have Tra- Patrick Holmes, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones. Three of the guys that, again, are maybe – if you were to rank trash talkers in the NFL, Travis Kelsey's got to be in the top five, certainly. Chris Jones is probably up there too, I would think. And Mahomes is probably climbing that list also. So you suck and you can't beat them on the field. <laughs> you try to talk trash on them, knowing that these guys are also elite-level trash talkers, and then you get absolutely clowned on. What? What? Why? What are we doing? What do you expect if you're the Bengals? And why do you keep doing this? This is where I actually do like Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow was actually, he just said, yeah, he's the best, whatever. Moved on. Not a big deal at all. That's how it should be for all of them. Mm. That's how it should be for the Bengals. Okay. So I don't understand. So the Bengals perpetually are nagging you. Is there anyone else? Anthony Black is nagging The Arkansas guard. Yes. 
You know why? He stinks. Wow. And he's going to be like the sixth overall pick. NBA draft. NBA draft. I think the Athletics most recent had him going. It was, I don't know, it was like the top 12. He's supposed to go anywhere between, I don't know, it's like 7 and 12, 6 and 14. Yeah, I don't don't know. I saw him. I I hardly saw him play because he didn't do anything against KU. Rolled his ankle. Whatever. Rolled his ankle. It doesn't matter. Playing on a sprained ankle. He was awesome against UConn. They got killed, but he was good. Okay, yeah. So you want a guy who's the best player on a crappy team? Yeah, sweet, awesome. <laughs> the sweet sixteen. Sweet. Cool. I don't know why you. Is it's this because you Arkansas just don't think thing, he's man. good, or is it an Arkansas thing? It's both. I don't think he's very good, and also Arkansas. Well, it's the same thing with like Nick Smith. Dude played five games, <laughs> and he's supposed to be a top ten pick. What I mean, who who is evaluating players? Now he stunk against Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you that. He was I mean, really good coming out of I high mean, school. I, I just I just don't understand. I don't understand. Okay. okay Anything else one, you want to get off your chest? Yeah, so you actually kind of introduced me to this one a little bit, which is when TV or when movies or TV shows create a spin-off, but it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So not like so like Breaking Bad, they did their spin-off with Better Call Saul, which is a side character, which is I you're allowed to do spin-offs of side <laughs> characters. If that's what you want to do, go for it. Okay, but this is reportedly that. By the way, do prequels count as spinoffs? Like, no. you know the uh, the Big no. Bang Theory, and then having Young Sheldon. Does that count as a spinoff? Oh, but that's also there's more I than think one that character. Does count, yes. But if you have, Which a prequel, I don't watch either of those. But I guess I'm more comfortable with it being a, like that. If you have a prequel, but it's all the same characters, that's not a spinoff. Agreed. I'm I agree with that. Of, I'm trying to think of an example. Yeah, of that. different characters. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Anyways, you pointed this out to me that Vin Diesel is considering a spinoff of Fast the Fast and Furious series mm-hmm. called the Toretto's. Okay, but here's the fatal flaw in that: Vin Diesel is the main character in Fast and Furious, <laughs> so he's going to yes. create a spinoff of which yep. he's going to be the main character again. So it's just Fast and Furious. So it's just Fast and Furious like- with a different name. Wait, who's the main character in Fast and Furious? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. What do they always talk because, about in listen, Fast and Furious? Tragically, Paul Walker passed away, yep. so he's no longer the main character because he, he passed away. But even then, they were like co-main characters. Exactly. You know? Yes. At worst, it was 50-50. Yeah. And then but also, Vin Diesel kind of became the main dude. Yeah. You know, you've had a revolving door of other guys, Jason Statham, The Rock, uh, I don't know, the, what that blonde lady, I don't remember, Charlize Theron. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jason Momoa. Yep. And the latest one, which I haven't seen yet. I haven't either. But apparently, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, most of them know. are. They're, you know, it's yeah, fast it's good cars, for what it is. explosions, exactly. it's, you know, it's good you know for what, what you're getting into. Dude, okay, you know, you know, you know what actually nags me about this? Mm. <laughs> the people who want to critically critique Fast and Furious. What do you, what do you expect? You're going in to watch fast cars and explosions. If you're expecting anything Furious else, explosions. that's on you. That's on you. So don't come at me and be like, well, this movie sucked. The, the plot was terrible. It wasn't really. What? What do you, what do you mean? That's what yeah. it's gonna be. No, it's like it's like it's the title of the movie tells you. If you're reading Pride and Prejudice, you know it's gonna be a complex movie. Yes. If you're watching Fast and Furious. It's Fast and Furious. <laughs> Where right is the there. disconnect? It's right there. So, in so front the of people you. that act like mm-hmm. they're movie critics for the New York Times after <laughs> a Fast and Furious movie, like, whoa, oh, this was ridiculous. It was unrealistic. I I can't believe it. What what do you expect? Okay, get out of my face. And I'm going to enjoy Fast and Furious. You know why? Because I understand that's what I'm going in for. Okay. 
Well, I'm glad. Do you feel better? Do you feel cathartic? I feel a little better, actually. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes it just takes some yelling into a microphone. I do feel a little bit better. That was <laughs> yeah. good. That was a good one. All right. That is uh, What's Nagging Nick on your Monday here on RCST. We're going to have submissions for Net What's Nagging Nick. I guess so. It is up. Yeah. RCST. Uh, we're going to go into the Transfer Portal West Virginia edition coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And then we got a uh, stupid scale coming up after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Two hours down. One to go. Welcome back into RCST on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to our stupid scale in just a moment. It is NBA draft week, though, and uh, you know about a lot of the big-name players that are in the draft, Victor Weminyama, Grady Dick, all these guys, Scoot Henderson. But maybe you don't know about some of these unheralded prospects, and we have the lowdown for you. We're going to be playing some of these throughout the week. How about uh, this player from, uh, I don't even know where he's from, Tom Dinklage, I think is his name. Tom Dinklage. Standing at 7 feet 2 inches tall, Tom Dinklage seemingly would be impossible to miss on a basketball court, but has gone severely underranked throughout the pre-draft process after he had opted out of every level of basketball he's ever played. He's got length, he's got speed, he's got touch around the rim. Unfortunately, after his 72-point debut in an 8th grade basketball game, Dinklage decided to shut it down. He tried out for the high school team a year later, made varsity, then opted out of his entire four-year career. He then signed with a professional team in Bulgaria, where after one legendary practice where he did not miss a shot and grabbed over 30 rebounds in a team scrimmage, he decided to pull the plug. Now he's entering a draft with concerns of if he will immediately hold out to be traded and grab a new contract. The skills are tantalizing, but the concerns over will he play has him dropping in the draft. Look for a GM secure in his job to take the risk. Just opt in, opt in your way out to the top, man. Um, Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that, 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 that's a new failing up. Yeah. You just opt out. Yeah, exactly. It's opt perfect. out. Uh, so maybe that nobody can say scale. you're bad at your job. No, you just you give them a little taste, dude. Little taste. Tomorrow morning, good. go to your work and be like, <laughs> "Listen, boss, I am invaluable, and to prove how invaluable I am, I am opting out of today's work <laughs> to prepare yeah. for the LinkedIn draft." Yeah, exactly. Perfect. I guess that's the luxury you have in your uh, seven foot two. All right, we got another episode of the Stupid Scale where we rate things on a scale of one to stupid, where we discuss how stupid they are. Pretty simple, right? It's pretty self-explanatory, actually. First up is the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards yesterday traded away Bradley Beal. They're a multi-time All-Star shooting guard, one season average, uh, thirty points per game, and all they got back in return was Chris Paul. Um, Landry Shamit and a handful of second round picks. Yeah, and they did pick swaps. Yeah, I mean they're going to be the worst. But they're going to be yeah, exactly. They're so trying to matter. tank. They're going to be worse. So it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense to be honest. No, it's uh, it's 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 confusing. And also, Bradley Beal had a no trade clause, so he basically could have vetoed whatever he wanted until he got the trade that he wanted. Which, from the GM ownership perspective is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> ever. So our no trade clause is dead. Ooh, man, if, you're an NFL, if you're an NBA GM, 
Why would you give anybody in the NBA? Trade? Yeah, NBA, they're dead. I think other sport. There are certain sports like MLB. You just well, yeah, get it if yeah, you're with well, the team for the, ten years. In the NBA, obviously, you know, because of how many players there are, one player changes everything. Right. So you don't want to give them a no trade clause, well, especially if you're a bad team like the like if you're okay. If you're Le- if you're signing LeBron James and you want to give him an okay, sure that's fine right if you if you're if he's a top five player in the world okay whatever but like or, or if you're a big market like the Lakers where it's like realistically this guy's not going to ask out of a trade but if you're a small market you're a bad team like the Wizards if he I don't even know that Bradley Beal's a top twenty five player he's a very good player he's a very good player he might be um, but yeah you don't do that like that that's so dumb Chris and, Paul's a hundred yeah and I mean, never is always injured that, and Landry Shamit has been what like. I guess kind of up and down. Up and down bench player who sometimes yeah. will come in and go six for eight from three. Other times will come in and go 0 for five from three. I yes. don't know. Um, yes. It's not much. It's not much at all for a multi-time All-Star. They, they Yeah, they hamstrung themselves uh, in that way by Did doing that. you see how that. Chris Paul found out about his trade? His, his son. Yeah. His son told him. That's so tough. I guess what stupid scale for the Wizards here on a scale one to stupid? Well, okay. The Wizards are trying to actively tank and yeah. be bad. But they're doing it a year after Victor Wembanyama's in the draft, so that adds to the stupidity of it. Correct. So I would say this is a solid, firm seven. Oh, I actually think it's stupid. You think it's a stupid? I think it's all the way. You stupid. think this is the stupidest thing? What you talked about is there. Um, and now, now who knows? Maybe they're able to get something good for Chris Paul. Like but they're like, probably going to okay. ship him off. Here, you know, you want to know honestly why I give it a seven? Hmm. It's the Wizards. I'm never going to watch a single second of Wizards basketball. I don't really care at all what the Wizards do. They don't do anything to impact anything. Mm. They just so that's that's why I gave it a seven. Okay, that's fine. It just doesn't. I just. I, well, it's I, more I, on the care. I scale. think it's stupid for that. I do understand that like they were kind of backed in a corner, but just don't trade him. Just don't trade him. He, yeah. he has five years left on his deal. So even if he's like, well, then I'm just not going to play. I'm going to sit out. Well, guess what? Doesn't that help you accomplish tanking? At that point, you wouldn't have Bradley Beal, or you wouldn't have the players you added. So it's going to help you tank if he doesn't want to play. Eventually, he's not going to sit out for five years. That's a good point. He's not going to pull a trying to go. If you were trying to go big brain, ultimate tank, it actually would have made more sense to not trade him and put him on your bench. Correct. And then, eventually, like again, he might sit out for a full year. But guess what? There's no way for the full five years. Yeah, listen. There's no way he sits out all five years. Eventually, he will crack and be like, "Fine, I will accept my no (laughs) trade clause or take it away to go to this whatever." You know. (laughs) So yes, I think it's a full stupid. But I mean, for the Suns, they have an unbelievable team now, so that that's great for them. All Um, to lose to Jokic. Maybe we'll see. I mean, they they have four to two this year without Bradley. Tough, tough. Uh, Okay, stupid scale. Jordan Love. So Jordan Love on Father's Day wished the Bears fans yeah, a so happy Father's literally, Day. Literally, the direct quote is like, I want to wish all Bears fans a happy Father's Day. And dude, the immediate reaction was, like, even like Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report like tweeted and was like, Jordan Love's a savage. Look at this tweet. Look at this, look at this quote. And then you start, you start to, to realize you start to break it said. down. You start to break it down a little bit. Who do you wish happy Father's <laughs> Day to? Your father. Your dad. Your father. So Jordan Love saying Happy Father's Day Bears fans <laughs> is like the all is like the all-time greatest reverse own yeah. I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, he basically just said that they own me. Yes. Right? Yes. And on top of it too, even I think what adds and to this like, being and even it, more and dumb. This is what he meant. It's what yeah. he meant. Like it, it wasn't like he slipped up and said it the wrong right. way. Like he that's what I meant that's yeah. what he meant to say. But it also what makes it even more dumb to me is the idea that even if he was saying I am the Bears dad, I am the Bears father. You haven't even played them. 
Yeah, so you're going to take credit for all of Aaron Rodgers dominating the Bears? Yeah. You're going to take dude, credit for yeah, everything dude. that's happened before? You were the backup. Dude. Yeah. You were not on the field. What are we doing here? I mean, no. the, the one game you did play was an abomination against the Chiefs. This is a full stupid for me, this too. This is a full stupid, I'm yes. two for two on full No, this stupid. is a full stupid. Yeah. 100%. The context of it, the fact that you said it wrong and you meant it, and I think the, I think what makes it even more stupid and more hilarious is the fact that everyone else thought that it was like a sick own, and then they realized that this dude's actually an idiot. He's owned himself. Yes. Embarrassing. Literally embarrassing. Like, if I if that was my QB1... I would be he would no jumping off a bridge. Be the QB1. I would be jumping off a bridge. The Atlanta Braves, they uh, DFA'd Charlie Colbertson, one of their players on Sunday. His dad was supposed to throw out the first pitch before the game. Okay, this is just this is just really, really, really bad management. Like, how do you have that bad of, of a of miscommunication? This is a rude on the one to rude scale. Yes. Well, but I'm saying, like, what if the Braves' ownership didn't know? No, they didn't know his the dad was throwing out the Yeah, like, pitch. that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, because a lot of times, like, the in-stadium yeah, stuff is separate. on macro big yeah, picture things. Yeah, it's separate from, mm-hmm. like, the management stuff. So the management, that, that's what I'm saying. How do you have a miscommunication this bad? How does somebody not go up and say, hey, we got this dude who, like, kind of sucks and maybe he might get DFA'd. Uh, we have his dad throughout the first pitch, so can you just make sure he's on the team for when we do this? And instead, there was no communication, and this is what happened. So this is just an all-time yeah. gaffe, really, by the Atlanta Braves organization. And how MLB waivers work, if you get DFA'd, if you if you have, like, certain guys have options left where they, they do get to go down to the minors, but if you're out of options, the player at that point then has to clear through waivers. So if another team places a waiver claim, they get them. If nobody picks them up on waivers, the player at that point then would have the option to either report to AAA or be a free agent. If you're the player and you're out of options and you clear through waivers, what are you doing here? Are you going... Man, should I try to work my way back up? The Braves are really good. I could maybe make an impact eventually if I make it back up and get a World Series ring. But also, or they just gave you me like, the middle finger. Exactly. And are you like, you did that not just to me, but to my dad. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I don't know. But uh, on a scale of one to stupid. On a scale of one to stupid. Like I said, to me, it's, it's more of a bigger, it's yeah. a bigger miscommunication. Could have waited another day. Exactly. Yeah. Right? No, exactly. <laughs> you know? I think it is stupid. One day no. in 162 <laughs> game seasons is going to kill you. <laughs> I do think. The stupid part of this is the fact that they didn't have any sort of internal communication about who was going to be yeah. doing this. So this is like a four, maybe. I was going to give it a five. Yeah, four, yeah, five, that, that four and a half, five. five. Yeah. And then, uh, according to Bill Simmons, um, a lot of people around the league are expecting the Pelicans to move Zion Williamson by Thursday. Uh, so I, uh, two parts of this: trading away Zion for the Pelicans. And another team trading for Zion. Where would you rate both of those on the stupid scale? I think if you're the Pelicans, Zion's been more of a headache than anything else, right? Yeah. So that's pretty stupid. I'm going eight for the Pelicans to trade. But also, if you keep him, then it's even worse almost. It's worse if he doesn't play. I guess, I don't know. I I think it makes more sense to trade for him. You hope you, you get in a new environment. I don't think it's dumb for them to trade him, honestly. Wherever they trade him, better hope there's a good gym. (laughs) And not good food. What's that mean? No, I mean, it's it's been okay, well okay, documented. Okay. It's been a problem. I just, uh, he's uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is the Stupid Scale. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN and Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at KLWN.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.